UGA Football News presents today's sports report. On today's sports report, we'll talk about University of Georgia football and more. And now, here's your host of today's sports report, Chris Hall. Welcome to uh, today's sports report, a presentation of Hall Bailey and Brigette LLC and UGA Football News on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Chris Hall, your host. And we're happy to have with us Rusty Manziel, recruiting analyst at CBS Sports, Georgia writer for 247sports.com, color analyst for Peachtree TV high school football games. And if you need your, your yard cut, he'll come cut your yard too. A jack of all I, I, trades, right, Rusty? I'll tell you this. this <laughs> my wife will laugh at this, but the one thing, I, I'm kind of stingy with stuff, but my one thing I reward myself, I am done cutting grass. I've oh, done yeah. <laughs> I've done that my whole life. I grew up, you know, I'm sure the same way you did. I was cutting grass when I was eight, nine, ten years old. And, and uh, the one, the one uh, privilege I give myself is I'm done with the grass. It, so. it, it, it's awesome to watch somebody else cut it, and then you walk out of the house and it's smells all done. Good. Smells good, and uh, the driveway's blown go. off, and I, I got a couple of good guys that do that. But that's my that's my guilty pleasures. I'm done with yards. I got you, brother. I got fully, I fully understand. Uh, well, we've got a lot uh, to talk about today. I, I'm kind of reminded of the words of that Jerry Reed song from Smokey and the Bandit. We've got a long way to go in a short time to get there. So yeah. let's get into it. Uh, first of all, let's talk a little bit about uh, 2022 recruiting. Uh, that That's your billywhack. Uh, that's your, your specialty uh, with 247sports.com. Uh, and so uh, you guys, here's how you have it uh, as far as the rankings are concerned. Texas A&M, uh, number one, Ar- uh, Alabama, number two, Georgia, three, Ohio State, four, mm-hmm. Texas, five, and then on down the line. So uh, we haven't talked to you since uh, re- recruiting has uh, wrapped up for 2022. Uh, you know, Give me your thoughts about this recruiting class, another stellar recruiting class for the University of Georgia and a pretty balanced one as well, right? I think you, as, if, you know, if, as a Georgia fan, anybody listening to this podcast that keeps up with you guys and watches day to day and follows my work, I don't think you really have to sweat recruiting as much anymore with Kirby Smart. Now, Mark Rick certainly did a great job, you know, times and uh, their classes were always top 10, but it seems like the, the bar has been raised under Kirby Smart. I mean, you're, you're really top three. Uh, you got a chance to have a number one recruiting class in every cycle. And, uh, you know, I think what Georgia did here, um, you know, I really think, and, and this can go a lot of different ways. I mean, these are young men and and uh, things change when you get into college. But I'll tell you this, I told Terrence Edwards this last night, me and Terrence were talking on the phone. He called me and asked him about some guys. And this group of kids that Georgia just signed as a collective whole, um, I think this is the most uh, put together group, and I mean on and off the field. Uh, this is a polished group of young men right here, and I think that you know this group coming in is certainly going to get some meaningful minutes next year. But you start looking at year two and year three, not only the on the field production, what you get off the field production, and, and I think that what Georgia saw this year. Uh, with leaders like, you know, Jordan Davis and Jamari Sawyer and N'Kobe Dean. Those are the same type of kids, specifically N'Kobe Dean and Jamari Sawyer that I covered in high school. Those two kids were extremely high character, high academic. And when you have those type of kids, 
that are leading the locker room, it controls a lot of different variables. You take kids like Michael Williams and Malachi Starks and even Christian Miller. Um, you know, that was the first time I'd ever met Marvin Jones, spending some time with him in Texas at the All-American Bowl, a whole week with him. Just really, really good kids. I could go on and on. Gunnar Stockton, Oscar Depp. I could go on and on about this class. So wherever this class is ranked for whatever service uh, you follow, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that this group heading into Georgia has as much potential as any class that Kirby Smart's ever signed. Wow, that's, that's a great endorsement. You know, uh, we talk a lot about turnovers in, in football and how important they are. We're kind of in the turnover season for the University of Georgia now. You, you've got coaches leaving. Yep. Uh, you, you, you've got guys going into the portal. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you've got all kinds of things uh, going on. And it's a little disconcerting for Georgia fans, you know, when they constantly read about this guy's leaving, that guy's leaving, and that kind of thing. Uh, but but what about some of our freshmen coming in? I, I think you know I'm, I've kind of studied a little bit on on uh, the um, on the recruiting class. It seems to me, especially on the defensive side, especially maybe in the defensive backfield, you may have some guys coming in that are going to get a lot of playing time uh, for the University of Georgia this coming season. Uh, in your mind, uh, out of this class, who's going to be on the field uh, quite a bit for Georgia this coming season? I would be surprised if Michael Williams is not playing at some point. I mean, he's one of the most dominant uh, pass rushers now. You know, he is what people don't realize is Michael Williams, a five star. Some people think he's the number one high school player in the country. And I would not argue that maybe at least top five, at least top five for everyone. A uh, young man out of Columbus, Georgia, Hardaway High School. But Michael is only 17 years old. Yeah. He's six foot four and a half, 261 pounds. So, you know, that's a young man. So where will he be now? He's already enrolled. He's at Georgia. So where will he be in October? You know, I think people, I think people don't realize how long the grind is. A lot of these freshmen, you won't see like, you know, the, the first game against Clemson. You won't see the second game, you know, last year and this year to be Oregon. You might not see these kids, but you will as the season goes on. Uh, I remember Jordan Davis didn't start until game nine of his freshman year. And you're like, wait a minute, this, this big guy can play. And all of a sudden, he became a fixture in the lineup. So I don't think that people need to really put too much into who's starting at first, but who is playing when they get to those meaningful minutes, when they get to that bye week before they go to Florida and they have that last stretch. And then you go in the potential, you know, SEC championship and the potential playoff bowl season. You start looking at those types of things and you start wondering who are those guys. And I certainly agree with you right there. I think I certainly agree there, Chris. I think the secondary guys, look at Jaheim Singletary five-star corner out of Jacksonville, Florida. You look at Dalen Everett uh, out of IMG Academy, who's already on campus. You look at Julian Humphrey out of Houston, Texas, one of the fastest players in the country. And I think a guy that's extremely, it's hard to say he's underrated because he's a five-star, but he, did, you know, he didn't really make a lot of noise because he committed so early and there never was really any hoopla around his recruitment as Malachi Starks out of Jefferson High School. This is a young man at 200 pounds last year that long jumped 24-9. The only other player I've ever heard of long jump in 24 9, you have to go way back to the 90s, and that was a young man by the name of Reggie Brown, who was one of the yeah. best athletes ever to sign at Georgia track and field and football. So, you're talking about explosion. I think those guys in the secondary have a really good opportunity to get in what I call meaningful minutes, and that means playing the first and second quarter of these games. So, I think the secondary guys, you're right. But if you're asking me about somebody else, I think Michael Williams by the end of the year will be just too good to keep off the field. Yeah, uh, continuing the defensive legacy. 
yep. for the University of Georgia. What about on the offensive side? Uh, you know, Brock Bowers, freshman, uh, came in and made a tremendous uh, impact for uh, Georgia this season. Uh, what about on the offensive side? You see any maybe rookies, new players, uh, maybe coming into the uh, rotations? What I've found offensively, and this is kind of the way I describe it, the further away you are from the ball, the easier it is to play. So if yeah. you're the center, you're not going to play. If you're guard, most likely you're not going to play. That quarterback, maybe. But I think you start looking at tight ends, you start looking at wide receivers, you start looking at running backs. And you start talking about running backs, and Georgia lost a lot there. You know, Ken Branson Robinson, who is a big-time prospect out of Mississippi, somebody that Georgia zeroed in on, won a big recruiting battle for this young man. All that You've seen all the pictures. It looks just like Nick Chubb. So, you know, when you do those types of things, I think, you know, you start talking about offensively. Brock Bowers obviously played slot and hybrid slice tight end, uh, you know, over the year. And, and it took Brock Bowers a little while to get going, even though he had some moments. But by the end of the year, Brock Bowers was the guy. When you started thinking about Georgia offensively, you thought about 19. So uh, I, I think I think Branson Robinson has a really good opportunity to come into Georgia and get some some carries that are going to mean some things in some big games. Yeah, good deal. Now, uh, you, you guys had Texas A&M number one in the recruiting class, and rightfully so. You look over their class, man, it, it's tremendous. But boy, we have, it's been boiling over with this NIL thing. In fact, I had an old timer, an old uh, time Georgia fan. Uh, I was talking to him. He said, uh, son, I want you to, I want you to add, answer this question. What in the world's an NIL? <laughs> he said, is that something like the NFL? You know, he, he was having a hard time getting uh, his head wrapped around that. What about, you know, now NIL, name, image, likeness, deals are a part of uh, recruiting and that kind of thing. Uh, Texas A&M kind of took some heat. Jim, uh, Jimbo Fisher kind of made some comments about it. Mm -hmm. What about all of this and where is it going? And should there be more controls, more freedom for NIL deals? What do you think? The intention of NIL, and I'll give you an example that everybody here will clearly understand two guys. A.J. Green and Todd Gurley. The intention of NIL is for A.J. Green, who is playing at the University of Georgia already and is a really high-profile player, to make some money off his jersey, who, who, oh, by the way, is getting sold in the bookstore. Yeah. Well, Todd Gurley, who I, I visited Todd Gurley in North Carolina. I'm not getting into his personal stuff, but Todd Gurley didn't come from the, you know, he didn't come from the, 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 the best of situations. I mean, his mom and dad did what they could for him, and but Todd Gurley, as a freshman at Georgia with NIL, would have made life-changing money for him and his family. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? So he's yeah. having to, he's having to go in a situation, sitting in a parking lot and sign autographs, which he knew was wrong, but he had to do what he had to do. Right. And I understand that. And, and you know, some of these people come from different situations and different backgrounds, and I don't think people took that you know in consideration. Now, the, the intent of that was for those type of players, right? To, to, to you know. Bryce Young certainly is about to capitalize again on NIL because he had a great year. Now, when you go back and you listen to Nick Saban's comments, and certainly he, you know, in my opinion, he was talking about Texas A&M. Yeah. And maybe some others saying that they're using NIL to recruit, which that is not the intent of that. Now, I don't know that to be the case, but uh, everybody's learning with NIL. Everybody is learning with NIL. So, I think the NCAA and, and whoever is governing this deal is going to have to reset some things because it is literally going to the wild, wild west in a hurry, in a hurry. Yeah. And that wasn't the intent. The intent was for Jordan Davis, who I think had the most NIL money this year 
and he certainly deserved it because he had a really, really good year. And that's what it's about. Jordan Davis sitting here and his jersey's being sold at the bookstore and his jersey's being sold at Academy Sports and every little kid in the country in Athens is wearing that. He should profit off of that. Sure. At least get some of it. And, and that's clearly the intent of that deal. But it certainly is. This went, this went a lot of different ways. So I'm interested to see if the NCAA does anything about the regulations on how it works. Uh, because, you know, everybody's learning with this deal. And Texas A&M, you know, I think people want to really point fingers. And I don't know yet that they, they haven't found a loophole and they're doing they're doing whatever they need to do. And they found, you know, a loophole in this situation. So until you hear things down the line, but I can tell you this, I've been doing this a long time. That class they just signed was, whew, I mean, yeah. it is, it is, it's, it's a bit it, on paper. It is the number one recruiting class of all time. Now that doesn't mean it's going to translate because you know, that's just certain factors in this thing, but it'd be interesting to watch them because man, they're bringing a lot, a lot of talented football players to town. Yeah. I had been the pressure's on now for Jimbo okay. Fisher and that staff yeah. too. Produce you bring in a class like that, you you you've got to say well you got to challenge Alabama, and you got to make it. So it's it'll be interesting. Now what about the uh, you know the portal? Here we go. I you know I love the Dr Pepper commercial where the guys going into the portal portal and then the punter comes out. I, I just for me that's the funniest commercial. Here we go again. You know old timers say what is the portal, but you know it's a factor of life in college football now. Now what about the what about portal pickups for Georgia? We've lost some guys through the portal. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think we've got some? Uh, and I'm sure we will. Yeah. Uh, does Georgia have some coming this way? Have you heard anything about that they, through the they, portal? They will. And, you know, here's the thing, and every Georgia fan will certainly happily take the situation, but Georgia kind of got hurt in portal additions because of timing. Yeah. You know, everybody started school. Georgia's practicing uh, a week extra for the SEC championship. Then they're practicing another, they win the Orange Bowl, then they practice another week. So as soon as Georgia got back from the national championship, they started school. So they really didn't know who, I mean, they had a good idea who was leaving, I'm sure. Uh, but once those kids left, they only had about three or four days on drop ad, and that was it. There was a very small window for Georgia to add before the, the, the spring semester started. So Georgia, like last year, the players they got, Taki Smith, Darian Kendrick, and those guys, they added those guys in, in May. Yeah. So I think Georgia most certainly will add two to three players um, then. Um, now, there's a new rule this year, and I didn't know this until recently, but February 1st was the deadline. If you wanted to transfer from an SEC school to another SEC school, you had to declare on the 1st. Now, if a kid declares, if Stetson Bennett were to come out today and go in the portal, he wouldn't be going to an SEC school. So the NCAA, the NCAA deadline this year is now May the 1st. So as soon as spring practice is over, it's not June 1st this year, it is May the 1st. So as soon as spring practice is over around the country, you're going to see another flurry, another large group of players in the portal around the country. And that's where Georgia will probably have some people leave. And they'll have, I'm certain they'll have two or three additions at that point. Yeah, interesting. Now, you, you know, recruiting never stops. Your job never stops. You you study recruiting. Recruiting never stops. Uh, so we already have the 2023 uh, recruiting rankings out. 
And uh, according to you guys, you have Georgia number one, Notre Dame two, Penn State three, Arkansas four, Michigan State five, down on the uh, down the line. Obviously, that's going to change a great deal as time goes by and kids begin uh, to uh, commit and, uh, you know, make their commitments to uh, the different universities. Uh, what do you see in the 2023 class that is so interesting uh, for Georgia? I know we're kind of looking out there, but but what do you see with these 2023 recruits? Well, this one, this one's this is that class, and, and, I, and I don't go anywhere without it. Somebody asked me about Arch Manning. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of very talented players in the country, uh, but certainly Arch Manning is is the name. Now, is he the best player in the country? I don't know that, but certainly the most recognizable is Arch Manning for all the family history and everything around his name. You know, already the the coverage on him, and and by the way, they're doing a really good job. Uh, you have to go through the high school coach. Uh, you don't really call Arch Manning. You don't. His Instagram's private, which is insane uh, in, in this day and age, but. You know, those guys are doing a really good job of kind of keeping him, you know, his circle really, really tight. And, uh, you know, that's the one Georgia fans want to know about is George. Because if Georgia gets Arch Manning, he's certainly going to bring some players with him. Now, am I predicting him to to Georgia? I am not at this time. I I don't know. I don't know enough about it yet. I'm very comfortable in saying that Georgia has as good a shot as anyone at this point. Uh, I mean, you look at Texas. I mean, they just hired, I think the rumor is about to hire David Cutcliffe as an off the field. Well, David Cutcliffe, you know, he's got the tie to, to Peyton and Eli. So, you know, there's all kind of little things going on behind the scenes. Um, I am confident in saying that the, the Mannings and Cooper Manning, his father uh, and Arch, really, really like Athens, kind of like what they see at Athens. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But I think that, um, you know, that's the one in this class. And I, I think it's going to be, a, a, my opinion, a summertime decision. I think he'll be back on campus, uh, you know, at Georgia at some point. And I think he'll take three or four official visits, uh, maybe in June. And, and, and as soon as that's over with, probably settle down and make that decision. Yeah, I think his dad's great, Cooper. You know, he's the, he's the lesser known of the Manning brothers, sure. but he's a hilarious guy. Yeah. You know, yeah, they are, he is, all three of them are great. You know, and yeah, they're all three from what I mean. I, I don't know them personally, but I, you see enough on them. And I was lucky enough last year, and it was a lifetime deal where I, I was able to go to the Masters um, on a last second deal from, from some friends, and uh, I got a chance to go into the little private area they have there and. I'll never forget, I walked up, and the first person you see greeting you is Peyton Manning. I mean, <laughs> cool. it's, like a, it's like a Walmart greeter. You know, he's shaking hands, and, you know, I'm like, you know, here I am. I don't even have – you can't have a camera or anything, you know, and I just, right. like, just had to tuck that memory away. But, you know, he was he was doing everything that – you know, he's a member there uh, at Augusta National. So, uh, you know, he was he was working his tail off like, like Lynn Swan. Lynn Swan was the other guy sitting there. You know, you start thinking about wow. – Lynn Swan and Peyton Manning are your greeters. That tells yeah. you what type of place you're walking into. So, uh, but everything I've heard about those guys, they're they're truly genuine. And uh, you know, Arch is going to have a lot on him. He's going to have a yeah. lot on him. Yes, but, he will. But they're doing a lot. They're doing a lot of good stuff with him. Well, you know, he has a good family backup that'll help him stay grounded and help him through yep. all of the process. By the way, if you're wondering, I am not a member at Augusta National. Yeah. I, just if you were wondering, I can, I can assure you, I, I'm not. <laughs> Well, let's turn the page. You know, I was reviewing one of our programs. You were on one of our programs before the season started. And boy, we were talking about the Clemson game. And uh, we were talking about how it was so important. And, and, you know, 
who 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 would it hurt more if uh, which team lost or which team won and or who would it help if we, which team won and uh, as i reviewed that you made a statement you know we were talking about georgia in the season and you said you know for georgia and kirby smart uh, to take the next step they have to beat alabama in mercedes-benz you you made that statement well georgia didn't beat them in mercedes-benz but uh, Georgia did beat them at Lucas Oil Stadium, 33-18 to win the uh, national uh, championship. You know, just I just want your opinion. How special was this season for Kirby, for the Georgia program, for the Georgia fans, from your perspective? I mean, what a season. What a season. How special was it for you? Two things will always stand out for me, and I was lucky enough to be on the sideline uh, covering it for 24-7 Sports, and um, two things I think kind of when I, when I went back and thought about it, two things that I saw and maybe it, it, one, one certainly made TV and one didn't, uh, that I, I know of, but to see Kirby smart hug Vince Dooley and you could see the emotion, um, Kirby smart, you know, he, he bled for this university. You know, he, he's been through the losses. He's been through the wins. He's been through the tough situation. As a head coach, he's been through the heartbreakers of that second 26 national championship game, you know, and I'm sure that he had so much on his shoulders, knowing the pressure was on him with this team at this moment to win it. You could see the relief in him. And then you see him hug his family. Um, and, and it's different when it's your university. You can tell, you know what I mean? You could tell. Kirby understood the moment of what it meant to the Georgia Bulldog Nation. Um, that was very clear. I'm sure he understands that 41 years of a lot of tears and hopes uh, were, were, were capitalized on that night. But, you know, as I was walking on the field, I kind of stood back for a minute and just kind of watched and I just wanted to soak it in just to see people's reaction. And I'll never forget this, watching Dan Lanning and Dan Lanning was standing away from, he was all the way back to the back. And at this point, Dan Lanning is the coach, the head football coach at the University of Oregon. But I watched Dan Lanning with his family, his wife and his kids give those guys a big hug. And you could see him, him, him get emotional, you know, and there's a lot that goes into it for everyone, but specifically Dan Lanning to make the decision to commit two more games to this team when he knew his, his 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 future was on the you know the west coast with oregon um it kind of gives you perspective like this guy really dug deep and he gave georgia everything he had and he got to enjoy that moment because you know in his heart he knows he's got to get on a plane he's got to go lead a program but he had that moment he got to enjoy that i was standing you know kind of beside them and that, that was pretty cool for me to see that because I, I I can imagine what that feeling was like, you know, to be able to share that moment uh, with his wife and kids. Yeah, and uh, from what I understand, he's having a great time in Oregon, in so Eugene as being hey, the head coach. Long as, you're, long as you ain't lost the game yet, you're probably having a good time when those paychecks start coming in. And how weird is it now that Oregon will turn around and play Georgia first game of the season? Man. Uh, next season, you know, I, as a Georgia fan, I remember 1980. I, you know, I, I was at, at someone's house 
watched the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Herschel and the guys win the national championship. And of course, it's been a long time since then. Mm-hmm. But to, to reach that point, it, I, it was kind of like for me when the Braves won the World Series. I, I just sat there, oh, you know, yeah. and I, I said, right. I said, you know, I can't believe this is happening. That's By right. the way, they need to get it together so they'll start oh. the season on time. Uh, but, you know, I was just sitting there. I, I can't, you know, you, you you always look at the other teams winning and you say, boy, I wish my team would win. And then they do. And then watching that national championship game, I was concerned in the first half. And, you know, I, I like every Georgia fan, I was sitting on the edge of my seat. And here we go with the interception, the touchdown. And it was just, it was surreal and uh, still enjoying it. Uh, you know, I know Kirby has the 24-hour rule. You know, you you enjoy oh, yeah. the victory or you commiserate over the defeat. You got 24 hours to do it, get it over with, and move forward. We're out of it now. Uh, we're still enjoying it, but, hey, we're moving forward to uh, next season. I think, uh, they got about, I think they got about a week, you know, that <laughs> celebration. Um, somebody told me the first team meeting they had uh, that Kirby at some point – showed a bunch of LSU 2019 celebrations and they did this and they did that and everybody was telling LSU how good they were and then you fast forward to 2020 I think LSU went five and five yeah so he shows you you know he showed the team how quickly things can change and this is a totally different team so um you know he's that's one of those deals when you're retired as a head coach you'll sit back and go man we we did it that year and um you know you get to soak that one in for life yeah, cool. And speaking of that, I noticed, uh, you know, ESPN, they got all kinds of stuff going on. But they're, 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 some of their talking heads was talking about, you know, the potential for a letdown for Georgia uh, next season. You know, you, you reach that pinnacle. You finally reach where you want to go. Uh, you finally beat Alabama. You finally win the national championship. And, and there was a warning about a potential big letdown for the 2023 season. Um, just in my gut, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think, you know, Kirby's the kind of coach. I just, I just don't see that happening. Do you? Invaluable experience in Alabama because they deal with this a lot. Kirby was there for nine years. He knows how Nick dealt with that, uh, what they did in the all season. Invaluable Scott Cochran's in Athens, you know, on the staff as well. So those guys have been through that. Um, you know, I think is Georgia going to be as good? No, they're not. They're not going to be as good. You know, they're going to be really young. They got some really talented players, but still, in my opinion, they're still the team of the East. So when you're the SEC and you're kind of the favorites in the East right now, um, you know, until somebody knocks you off of that, you're you're back in, you know, you're back in Mercedes Benz and you're playing for the SEC championship. So, um, you know, that situation for Georgia, I, I think it'll unfold as the season goes. If nothing, you know, you just never know because of how players do this and where they move. I look at next year as a year that Georgia can really make a move um, to, to see how far they can go. Can they make the playoff? I mean, they're not going to be the national championship favorite. I don't know how Alabama's not the favorite. I mean, it seems like they got everybody back. And, oh, by the way, they added three really yeah. good players, including Jermaine Burton and, and Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. So, uh, and Elias Ricks, former five-star. They, they've already added three really good players. So uh, they're going to be the heavy, heavy favorite. Ohio State should be better. But I'll tell you this. When you go down and look at that roster, it's like I said about this recruiting class. It's not so much year one. It's year two, specifically year three. So I think Georgia's really built to make another run. 
2023 to, to be a, a you know potential number one national championship heavy you know a, a, a favorite at least to be in the mix so whatever georgia does next year it won't surprise me and and it's really gonna it's really gonna depend on how those young kids grow as a year goes on but i certainly think right now just looking on paper i mean i would have to predict georgia to be playing in the sec championship game and if you get there anything can happen but again i'll say it now they got to find a way to be Alabama in that building, and they haven't yeah. did it. So, you know, if had they beat Alabama in that building, Alabama wouldn't have been in the playoff. Right. So, you know, they had to beat them some. They had to beat them in some building. Uh, yeah. but they they got to find a way for whatever reason, man. They they cannot beat Alabama in Mercedes Benz, and they got to they got to take that step at some point. Uh, maybe uh, hopefully next season. Now Georgia's had a lot of turnovers in their coaching staff. You mentioned Dan Lanning has gone. Several assistant coaches have have uh, gone how significant is that i know you know kirby's brought in a lot of repre- replacements very top quality coaches how significant uh, you're going to have that when you have a national championship team you just obviously are you're going to have that uh, so your coaches are going to be targeted so we've had some leave quality guys great guys you hate to see them go but also we've had some more come in so how significant is the coaching changes as far as the dynamic of the team is I think you look no further than Alabama. Nick Saban deals with this every year. Yeah. I mean, Nick Saban deals he's like, man, they just lost three or four guys. And he just brought in three or four more. And <laughs> you know, my philosophy on that is with Kirby, if you're hiring the right guys, it's going to happen. Yeah. And um, so far, you know, so far to me, it seems like Kirby Smart has been one step ahead of every move uh, that, that's come his way. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's not cocky. I don't think it's arrogance. I think it's more confidence. As a, as a Georgia fan, I think for Kirby, with, with Kirby that, you know, I think our board on Dogs 247 was like, hey, good luck to Coach Adai going to Miami. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get the next guy, you know. Yeah. Our room is stacked. Um, so, you know, I think that's there's a lot of there's a lot of merit to that right now. And uh, it was such a big win for Kirby Smart because it's amazing what one game does. But one game justifies everything that you're trying to do as a program you know, he never misses a minute. That guy will never miss an opportunity to recruit players and recruit his team. And you go back and you watch that national championship celebration and you hear him say, this team right here was in this stadium in the offseason running at five o'clock in the morning and none of them wanted to be there. Yeah. But everybody's here for this national championship. So, so all that put together, you know, as far as hiring coaches, offseason workouts, Kirby Smart can say, hey, look, this is what we do, and this is why we got a ring because of it. So the standard has been set, and now it's kind of in concrete. So, I, you know, it comes down to making plays and winning those games. But under Kirby Smart right now, I can't see Georgia not being a team that is a, you know, a continual favorite to be in a, in, in a uh, football playoffs. You know, the, the, the dichotomy between the University of Georgia and what's happening with Auburn right now, mm. with Harson and the the whatever is happening with with the University of Auburn and Brian Harson, the dichotomy between Kirby uh, Kirby Smart and the staff and you know how everyone looks up to him and you know he's the boss and but they respect him, and what's coming? What in the world is going on at Auburn? What is happening there? I go back to this. You think about um, the guy down at Gus Malzahn and Kirby Smart. And, and, you know, I don't know the specifics, but the question was, 
kind of the rumor is that Kirby might have hurt himself by answering the question the way he did, but he was being honest up front. You know, he was still the defensive coordinator for the University of Alabama. They were trying to win a national championship. And had he got the job, was he going to finish the year for Alabama? Or was he going to step away immediately and become the head football coach at the University of Auburn? So you start looking, you start going back years from now and what path they could have taken different. I mean, Auburn could have had Kirby Smart, you know, and then, but two years later, Georgia winds up getting him. So uh, you look at those types of things and, and um, you just, I told a guy this morning, and I know this guy particularly does not care for Auburn. And I was taken up for Auburn on this. I said, listen, Auburn's one of the top jobs in the country. I'm telling you, they got yeah, their fan I base, think so too. Yeah. fan base, resources, facilities, tradition. You can win it all at Auburn. Um, I mean, it is one of the best jobs in the country. No question, in my opinion. But right now, it, it is such a mess. Um, they, they think that, I think I heard they've had 24 players leave since December the 17th. Yeah. Uh, they lost, you know, Mike Bobo, for lack of a better term, basically left, um, took his buyout, fire, whatever you want to do. He was going out the door. Derek Mason took a $400,000 pay cut to go to Oklahoma State. Yeah. You know, um, it's just it's just not right right now. I don't know what's going on down there, but it's hard to believe that Auburn, um, a, a team that's, man, so, so rich with tradition and fan base and, 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 and uh, talent is – it's where it is, and I don't know what is. I mean, to be honest, Chris, it's hard. You don't know what what to believe and what not to believe. Right. But I can tell you this: the 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 statements that Auburn keeps putting out is not putting out any fires. Yeah, yeah, they're not they're not helping. <laughs> the administration is not helping. Not, I, no. I I can't see how Harson survives it. I, can't I mean, yeah, there's so much going on. No. After a while, you just got to say, okay, you know, they're better off without me. I just don't see how he survives the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, quickly, uh, wanted to, to kind of go into the quarterback room at the University of Georgia. Obviously, Stetson Bennett coming back, super senior coming back. Carson Beck, redshirt sophomore. Uh, Brock Vandegrift, redshirt freshman. Gunnar Stockton, freshman. Uh, you know, in spite of the fact that Stetson Bennett has led Georgia to the national championship, I still detect out there doubters about Stetson Bennett. Oh, certainly. Uh, and he, yeah, I mean, he, he's just, I think people, people watched that Alabama game and say, that's what he, the first game, that's what he was. That's what, that's who he is, you know? And I think you come back and you watch the second game and, Certainly didn't play his best game, but this is what I said about that. When Georgia needed Stetson to be his best, he was four for four on that drive. Yeah, through that a fourth quarter. Fourth that quarter, fourth they, were, quarter. they just had lost the lead. Now he come back. He comes back and goes four for four, and he throws a touchdown pass. So, um, you know, I think I think people forget those moments, and and I think people write off too early. Like Stetson Bennett had opportunity to get better. He got better this year. You know, yeah. how much better is he going to get this year? you know, as a starter. So, you know, I think it's not a slam dunk that Stetson Bennett's the quarterback, but I certainly think he has uh, deservingly taken the lead to be the guy. Um, I, I know there's others in that room that have a bigger ceiling. They're more athletic with a bigger arm. But the one consistent thing about Stetson Bennett, they have tried and tried to push him to the side. And every single time he's been called up, He's done his job. So it would be hard for me to say anybody else other than Stetson Bennett is going to be the starting quarterback at Georgia. 
I think some guys are going to get some looks. I think they certainly, in my opinion, will play somebody else to get some reps uh, and, and see how it goes early on. But I think Stetson Bennett is coming back. I think he's got a lot of weight uh, in the in the locker room. A lot of people, a lot of those players believe in him, most importantly. So we'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm interested in watching Brock Vandergriff because I heard he had a really good December. Uh, that's a big kid with a big arm. I don't think anybody in the room looks like him, can throw like him. But there's a difference when the ball is snapped, processing and putting everything together. So he has a, he has a ton of potential. We'll see where he is as spring practice starts. Yeah, you got to believe one of those guys after spring practice may go into the portal somebody, out of that quarterback. Somebody, somebody, somebody will leave before August. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to happen. Uh, quality guys, and I agree with you. Uh, you know, uh, Vandergriff. I watched him in the GA day, uh, G day game last year. Man, he's good. I mean, he's a big guy, strong yeah. guy, can run. Uh, it's going to be interesting. People don't realize um, how big he is until you see yeah. him walk up on you. And Gunner, I mean, you got a freshman quarterback who's yeah. got all the tools and yeah. The, yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of extras that uh, certainly could translate to the college football game. Uh, and and so uh, other SEC programs, you know, I, I was looking over this and uh, we'll cover this quickly. Um, you know, in the SEC East, I, I think you got some teams advancing. Tennessee, I think is going to be better. Florida, uh, Billy Napier. You know, I, of course, you got to wait and see how they do under him. But I think he's, Quarterback he's doing, a good, doing a good job at, at uh, Florida as far as recruiting and getting, getting that team together. Mark Stoops at Kentucky. I tell you why, almost my second favorite team in the SEC is Kentucky. <laughs> he does a great job. Yes. He does great job. And oh, by the way, South Carolina just signs a former five-star and Spencer Rattler. So, oh. you know, you start looking at the SEC East. Now, I still think Georgia is the team, but it's definitely taking some steps forward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I love Shane Beam, uh, Beamer's mm-hmm. attitude. You know, he, he's just an honest guy. He, sure. You know, from what I can detect, he's just an honest guy about his yeah. team and the other team. Hey, he's a relentless recruiter, I think. Uh, South Carolina's got somebody uh, there. Uh, yeah, obviously, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and Lane Kiffin. The SEC's going to be a I'm, whole lot of fun next year, right? <laughs> isn't it? I'm going to tell you, you know, who not to sleep on is Arkansas. Yeah. They won nine games. Their quarterback, who gives a lot of issues, K.J. Jefferson, is back. Oh, by the way, they got former five-star from Atlanta, Jaden Hazelwood, transferred from Oklahoma to Arkansas. That is a team. They beat Texas A&M. They beat Mississippi yeah. State. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they 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 were one play from beating Ole Miss, and uh, you know this is a that's a team that uh, beat Penn State. So I would watch Sam Pittman and those guys. That's not somebody you really want to see coming in. You know, in that West right now. That's a lot of people are talking about Texas A&M. A lot of people are talking about the coaching saying LSU. Better thing about Sam Pittman. Those guys won nine games this year, and man, they got a really really good quarterback coming back. What do you think about Brian Kelly at LSU? Is that going to work? Is that going to work? <laughs> Man, he's going to chill on the dance videos. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. And and just please don't do the accent. Yeah. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Unless you can do the accent, don't oh, do the accent. Oh, uh, speaking of how tough the SEC, and we'll close with this, I, I was looking over uh, in the, the 2022 uh, recruiting rankings, the SEC got 17 five-stars across the different teams, 117 four-stars. And then you got the Big Ten, six five-stars and 71 four-stars. And then you go on down the line. 
man, the SEC dominated. How do you explain that? How, how do you explain the SEC dominating so much with five-star and four-star recruits in the 2022 cycle and in every cycle? How do you explain that? State of Georgia, state of Florida, state of Texas, state of Louisiana, Alabama, just better high school football being played in the South. And, yeah. you know, more emphasis here. You know, those two schools, Ohio State Michigan, are both trying to recruit uh, down here as well. And Ohio State's done a really good job of that. I think Ohio State was a young team this year. They're going to be really, really good next year, I think. We'll see. Uh, but but you look at, you know, I had a buddy that was at midfield uh, on the Georgia-Michigan game at the Orange Bowl uh, pregame. And he told me, he texted me right before the game. I actually didn't go down for that game. He texted me, said, man, Georgia is about to walk through Michigan. He goes, they look like two totally different teams. And, you know, you start thinking about that's the Big Ten champion. And they really never got any positive anything going against Georgia. So right now it's a big gap. And with those stats, sounds like it's getting a little bit wider. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, Rusty Mansell has been with us today on today's Sports Report, a presentation of Bailey Hall and Brigette LLC and UGA Football News on Facebook and Instagram. Rusty, it's good to have you with us. Good to see you. And uh, you'll be down at our neck of the woods, you say, with a uh, a camp that you'll be doing very soon. Maybe we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll try to catch up with you soon, okay? Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this edition of today's Sports Report. We thank our many fine sponsors for making our program possible. Be sure to join us for our next program as we keep you up to date with University of Georgia football and more. Until then, be safe and go dogs.